In the following live session recording, Susan Allen, minister to children at First Baptist Church, Statesboro, Georgia, leads a session entitled, Can You Hear Me Now? The average adult vocabulary is about 60,000 words, and we use those words to form hundreds and thousands of messages. And some are simple messages with big impact. In this session, participants will consider six phrases that kids need to hear to help them become the person God created them to be. Let's join Susan now. Thank you, Jenny. Glad y'all are here. I know it's the last session and you just had a big lunch. So we're gonna hang in there, okay? And have a lot of fun. We, um, you're not gonna have to work real hard on this one though. Um, we don't have so many activities. We got some really cool videos and all that you're going to enjoy, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I want you to start, though, with that um, little activity. I want you to write on one of your postcards, I want you to write a positive message that you have heard teachers share with kids. Anything positive you've heard a teacher say to a child, okay? It's got to be positive. If you've heard a teacher say it, it could be you that said it and you want to share it. Uh, but just write one positive message. And when you finish that, on the other card, I want you to write one negative message. On the other one, there'll be a positive card and a negative card. I'm sure you would have never been the one to say the negative message, but you have probably heard someone else to them for just a minute. Big man, say that. Number six. 
Can you hear me now? The average adult vocabulary, can you guess how many words our average adult vocabulary is? I read it. You've been cheating. Let's do homework. Yeah, yeah. How many? 60,000. 60, over 60,000. We use those words to form hundreds, if not thousands, of messages. Simple messages with big impact on the kids we love. Sometimes it's positive, and sometimes it's negative, but they have an impact regardless. Studies have shown that it takes five positive messages to counteract any one negative. So let's look and see where we are today. Let's see how, I'm going to take up your cards. Still writing? I'm just getting some notes. Get them both. And then I'm going to need a volunteer, but all they have to do is walk. Can walk, which seem to be having trouble with that. Actually, thank you. Keep on coming. All right. So, who wants to be my volunteer? Walk. Just walk. All you do is walk. All right. I want you to start here, and let's see how far across the room we can get you. Okay. Let's see. You're gonna take a step forward when I do a positive one, and then step backwards when I do a negative. That was really nice of you to put that in the trash. Positive or negative? Let's see. Good job. did a great job. Y'all have some great positive messages. I was here first. Okay. <laughs> Try harder next time. Absolutely. You add so much to our class. Thank you. You'll never go to college. Uh, thank you for doing your best. See if we can get you a rock off the room. I knew you could do it. 
You're very special. You cannot do that well. Why can't you behave like your sister? That hurt. Oh no, that wasn't nice. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for using good manners. Go for it. Because the next one is shut up. You were so kind. Okay. Oh my, don't you care about how your picture looks? So if I got that right. Yeah, that was the first grade art teacher to me. And uh, I still can't draw worth a hoot. I hear it every time I try. Wow. Wow. Do we have a visual of how powerful our words are? Thank you. Great job. All right. So when we hear the president say what he says, we realize that it really, really matters what we need to hear. So what do kids need to hear from us? Kids need to hear, I believe in you. When a significant adult believes in you, does it make you believe in yourself? Creates a lasting memory. We talked in a conference this morning about teachers, early memories of teachers. Um, what are some of the things that you can remember? Can you remember a teacher that, okay, we've just heard a very negative that has impacted you all the way to today, that when you try to, to, to draw, you, you would hear that in your mind. What are, some, what are some positives that you've heard? I had a fifth grade teacher, and her last name was Star, S-T-A-R-R, and we were her all-stars. Oh. And we made t-shirts, and we put that on the back, and at recess, we were her team, and she played with us, and we played um, softball against all the other classes. That it was, that was the first really cool, positive teacher I had. And it's been a while since you were, we were in college together, so I can say it's been a while since you were in fifth grade. But it's still, that memory is still there. What's another one? You can do it. You can do it. And that, you knew you could because she said it, or he said it. What are some others? A friend of mine tells the story of, um, he has a nephew, and the nephew signed up for soccer and then got out there and had no interest, none. Would not go on the field. And there, you know, you ever been on the sidelines with a kid that's not going to go out there and do it? You know, and you're like, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so the parents couldn't get him. Everybody tried. The coaches tried. The other players tried. He wouldn't go. But finally, he said, he went out as a friend and said, will you go on the field if I go with you? And he said, yes. So he went on the field, and now today, soccer is his thing. And had he not said, I'll go with you, we're in this together, come on, we can do this, the kid would have missed out on all the wonderful opportunities he's had, that now that is pretty much his life. But he wouldn't take that first step, except for an adult saying, you know, we're in this together, I'm going with you. So they need to hear, I believe you. And then we need to know what's just happened that's worth noticing. When a kid shows something that we need to mention, that we need, we need to stop 
look and listen and not be too busy to notice. As teachers, often we're so busy trying to get through our lesson plan that we're not noticing what the kids are doing and we need to be catching them doing something good. Um, there was a kid that was in a classroom and the kid was um, just a challenge to the teacher. The teacher was just really, really frustrated with the child and just constant thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so, you know, he always kind of dreaded being in that classroom with that child and didn't know what he's going to do. Well, he had an intern, and so he told the intern, I really need you to come in here and help me in this classroom because I'm having a hard time. He said, oh, by the way, um, Joshua's in that classroom. The intern said, Joshua, I love Joshua. Oh, he's one of my favorite kids. But the intern came in and was able to relate to Joshua, and that teacher had to realize that there was just something, and there it happens. You know, there's some kids that just kind of get under our skin, and we're not able to be what they need. We're not able to be that encourager. We can reach deep, and we have to reach deep and try. But he, what he learned was that he had to pull somebody in with him, somebody that saw something in Joshua that he had not been able to see, and then he could begin to see things happening with that child. So what could happen? We can expect the best. Sometimes we don't see the good because we're looking for the worst, especially if the Sunday school teacher before, from last year has told us the worst, and we're all prepared for what we're going to experience, and we're only looking for that. So we, look, we need to look for ways that we can trust the child, and we need to teach the child that demonstrate trust to them. Let the child know that uh, we trust them and that... Um, and that they, you know, we believe in them and they can do some good things. Um, when my child, when my oldest child was about two years old, she went through a phase where she just, she would pinch a lot and she would pinch all the other children in the classroom. Well, you know, every time I'd go to pick her up, you know, I'd hear all about, you know, April pinched somebody today. Well, you know, it was so discouraging, and you know, I'd go to, I just dread going to that door, and then I felt responsible as a parent to have to get on to her and to fuss at her, even though she'd already been fussed at by the teachers. And so, all the way home from church, you know, we would talk about what she did wrong, and it was just such a negative experience. And so, you know, it got to the point. I mean, I'm thinking, I just, you know. I don't even want to go do this, but I was a children's minister. I had to be there. I couldn't get out of it. It just was essential. So it was a problem in our home, but it made me realize that the things that we say to the parents can make such a difference. But, but what if um, on a day when April was having a good day, that teacher came and said, I want to tell you something April did today. And think about what a difference that would make. And, and we know of cases where parents have said, nobody's ever told me anything that my child did well. It's never happened, you know. And so when you, there, it's not that we can't enlist parents' help when we have problems and we can't say, I, I need you to help me know what will help this situation because sometimes we have to do that. But the way we do it and the way, and we don't ever want the children to hear us say, you know, we're struggling with this, but we always want the children to hear us say, boy, you know, Adam had a great day today. I was so proud of him, um, and, and he's, it's going to make a difference. So um, always look for those opportunities. And then ask the child's opinion. Um, do you ever ask children 
what do you think I should do when you're facing a life situation and how empowering that is to a child to say, you know, you know, my Sunday school teacher told me today that she is um, considering a new job and she's not sure what she's going to do and she's praying about it, but she asked me to pray with her and she asked me, what, what did I think? Should I, you know, and just, you know, that's not obviously going to be how you make the decision. But that child says, you know, my, my teacher thinks enough, you know, he needs my help. You know, he's, he's looking to me to, to, because he believes in me. So those things are important. So are the kids in your class convinced that you truly believe in them? Are they going to be um, like the little boy who wouldn't want to go on the ball field and wouldn't go and want to go on the soccer field but's willing to go if you go beside them? They need to hear, you can count on me. So children are looking for somebody, something to hang their head on. A lot of kids come to us and they don't have confidence, they don't have stability. A lot of the kids don't have anybody that has said, you are awesome. That's not what they hear in their homes. Have you listened in Walmart lately to parents talking to their children? That'll tell us how much. We, if, we, if we think about the little steps we did earlier, and we listen as we're in restaurants and then we're in Walmart, and sometimes when we're at church, to the things that parents say to their children, we realize how many positives we have got to say to make a difference and to let them know that they can count on us. How can they count on us? They can count, they can count on us to care. They, they, you know, we can't make their troubles go away. They may be in a terrible life circumstance, but they can know that we care and that we love them and that we're praying for them and that we matter to them. And then we can be present. And, you know, some of the worst times in ministry, and I know for me, I was trying to think back, and I think I've probably had about five times in my 40 years that I've had children that I have had to go to their home when they had just lost a parent. That, that's the worst. That is the worst. Do they know that we're present? You know, and what do you think when you start to go to the home of a child whose parent is dying or has just died? You know, what are your thoughts? What can I say? What, what in the world can I say to comfort this child? You know, there's nothing really you can say, but I love you and I care. And, um, and just love them and be there for them. Those are the times when you might think about... One of my favorite things to do with a kid like Ben is maybe to say, can we go get ice cream? And you just go get an ice cream and give them a chance to just get away. You might be, you know, maybe everything's all about the funeral home. Everything's about the funeral and visitation and all that. Could you be the person that goes in and says, you know, I'm here. If I can, if I can be helpful, I'd be glad to take the child even outside at the funeral home. Sometimes they want them close, but they're willing to let you take them outside and play a little game with them. Because children just want to be children, even in the worship times. But they need to hear that we care and that they are. We're going to be with them and that we're going to support them on their very, very worst days. And um, that we're going to, we're understanding. We, we may not have gone through what they've gone. You know, I've gone, as I've gone through this with the five circumstances of parent loss, I, you know, I had my parents till they were in their 80s. 
you know, and boy, that's hard, you know? It's hard to lose your parents when they're in their 80s. I can't imagine being nine years old and losing a parent and what that must feel like. So we support them, we let them know we understand, and then we know that they know that we're gonna keep our commitments. If we say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come get you, you know, I'm gonna be here for you, we can't forget them. Uh, what do we do after the funeral's over and we go back to our busy lives and you know whatever circumstance that child is living in you know we, we can't forget we've got to go back and be there for them they got to know that they could count on us so look at your hand and say do the kids know that they can't count on you and when real reliability exists in a child's life the leap to trusting god makes that step easier they can't trust you how can they trust a loving God? Many of them can't trust their parents. Their, their, their parents have said, I'm coming to get you this weekend, and we're going to do something, and they never show. Um, it's beyond my imagination that a parent does that, but it happens all the time. So they need somebody that they know that it, they can count on. And then they need to know that you treasure them. Children need to feel precious and treasured and special and prized. And they need to feel worthy of that love and that respect. Do the children that you minister to in Sunday school or wherever you have, do they know that you treasure them? Sometimes our body language doesn't say that. Sometimes um, I've seen Sunday school teachers kind of almost moan when they see somebody coming down the hall and, and it's a difficult child. You know, or maybe the room is full. Have you experienced this? Your classroom is full, and you look down and you see more children coming, and you're like, oh, no. And, and if you're not careful, they won't feel treasured. And at that moment, you're struggling. I get it. But we can't let that be seen. And, and I've actually heard teachers say, I don't know where I'm going to put anybody else. I can't take anymore. And then the parents, you know, nobody's going to feel treasured and worthy and loved when they hear that. So... So what are our strategies? We're going to keep it steady and simple. It's the little things that really matter. We're going to give time and attention because over time they need to know that we're going to be there even after it gets tough. Um, there's a child um, in my ministry that it just didn't seem to be thriving well and the parents were having struggles they were just frustrated they were at the end of their rope and the parents said will you just spend some time with this child will you just you know be with him and you know hang with him and so um, he would come and we'd just kind of do some things like getting ice cream and stuff like that and so that went on for a time and then one day um, the kids said I wish my parents were like you I'm like, what do you mean he said, you act like you want to be with me they don't act like they want to be with me. And, you know, what a horrible thing. But sometimes we communicate that to our own children, and certainly we sometimes communicate it to children who come to us that, you know, for whatever reason are not, not you know, they're not the perfect little child that we won't come into our class. And then we need to keep it personal and realize that one size does not fit all. We get to know all the kids. And, um, and love them evenly, that's challenging, isn't it, to be even. You know, some are just easy, easy to love, but most kids are just perfectly ordinary. 
isn't it wonderful to know that that most of them are just really perfectly ordinary uh, but they all need to feel treasured in your classroom so do they feel treasured in your classroom and then we need to be willing to say I'm sorry if you spend time with anybody at all you're gonna have to say I'm sorry Does that ring a bell anybody ever not had to do that with anybody they spent much time with it and not just a flippant I'm sorry you know how kids do you know I'm sorry well you didn't mean that you know we all we've all experienced that but we need the ability to authentically apologize and um, let them know what it feels like to receive an apology one uh, little second grader he his dad had been helping him with his uh, math at night and dad got real frustrated and I can relate to that because I don't do math and so the child was struggling the daddy was struggling so finally the teacher I mean the father said can I say an ugly word y'all forgive me because that's what the child said he said I'm so d tired of math okay I am so d tired of math and um so guess what happens? So the next day the child goes to school and he gets frustrated with math and he looks up at his teacher and he says, what does he say? And I'm, <laughs> and I'm so <laughs> tired of math. So guess what? The teacher calls the mom. He was going to a Christian school, isn't that great? Yeah, yeah, it might would have been one thing in a public school, but it is in a Christian school. So the mom gets a phone call. The mother had heard the father say that the night before. So she knew exactly, and I, you know, you can just imagine what, you know, she chewed up on that daddy. But that daddy had to go to the child and say, I'm sorry, you got in trouble because I did something that was wrong. You know, everybody doesn't do that, can't do that, won't do that, but we have to do that. And we have to let them see true humility and true, true um, that kind of love that's willing to say, I, I goof up, I mess up, I make mistakes, please forgive me. And we're not real good about doing that towards children. I don't know that we realize just how much of an impact we have on them in that area, that we have to model for them what it's like, because we are all the time saying, tell your friend he's, you're sorry, you know, tell him you're sorry. But how often do we say, I'm sorry, you know, even for just little things, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we're running late this morning. You know, the reason we're scrambling around and we're at each other's throats is because I didn't get up when I should have to make this. I mean, you know, but I'm sorry. This is really not your fault that I'm hollering at you. It's my fault because I didn't plan the day right. So, you know, demonstrate to them. Don't make excuses. And, you know, often we, when we make an apology, we like to add the word but. You know, I'm sorry, but... And that just destroys it. It's like the steps again. You might as well step backwards. You just blew it. And so uh, be uh, willing to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. There are five common sense um, things. Well, I think I just went over that. No, I'm not having it. I'm sorry. Lost my place. So what are some five common sense lessons of apologizing? Number one, be authentic. Mean it. Then be timely. If they're too late in a child's eyes, it's, it's, it's not going to work. It's got to be right then. It's got to be in the moment when it's really needed. You've got to be clear and concise. 
I'm sorry, please forgive me. Clear, clear words, I made a mistake, I was wrong. Make sure they understand what you're saying. And um, be, be brief, because the more you talk, the less it seems authentic. So be brief in um, your apologies. And though you kind of want to get around it and don't want to do it, say it no matter what, because they don't need, they need to hear it. But don't over-apologize. Say it, make sure they understand, and, uh, th- and then move on. It wasn't sync, so you have to just listen and hear it. But I think you get the point. It's very difficult for us to say, how do we model apologizing and forgiveness? Does it really matter? Now, it matters culturally that children are able to understand apologies. But what about how they approach God and understanding that he can forgive us? and our ability to ask God to forgive us for our sins. As we model for children how to have a healthy apology and and receiving forgiveness, we model for them what can happen between they and God, and that God can forgive us and we can ask for his forgiveness and we we can receive that. So it's critical that we recognize that that bell represents some words that we need to say, and those are words of apology. Another word that we need to be able to say is no. Throughout the Bible, we get plenty of no's, and they're not meant to limit us or to ruin our lives, but to bless us and to make our lives better than we can even imagine. Kids need to understand no. They don't have any trouble learning to say it. Haven't you ever known children that that was the very first word they ever said? And so they they learn that word early, and they get it. But what if they don't learn that word no? Will they be able to say no to drugs? Will they be able to say no to alcohol, premarital sex, whatever temptations are out there, bad peers? 
we have to teach them to honor the word no and recognize it as a word that God has placed for our protection so that they can function well. So we have an exclamation point. Is my no respected and effective? So in dealing with children in the classroom, do they know that when you say no in a kind and loving manner, that that's a boundary that's there for their protection and to create harmony in the classroom? When they, when they learn that and they hear it from an adult that they love and trust, they recognize that they can hear that from their, a loving God as well. That God sometimes says to us, no. Can we all say that word together? One, two, three. No. Yeah, that's an important word for our kids to hear. Then they need to hear, of course, I love you. Every child needs to know that he's loved and that it's an unconditional love regardless of their assets, their liabilities, their handicaps, their expectations, our expectations, that none of that matters, that we love them. It's an unconditional Christ-like love, and we have to demonstrate that love through our actions. So do the children in your class believe that they are loved? They know when they come to your classroom that this is a place of love and safety and security. Children who hear in many different ways that they're loved are likely to find their own ways to say it to others. Someday they'll say it to their parents. The best thing is when they say it to their grandparents um, and then eventually to others. But hopefully our desire is that one day they'll say it to a loving God who loves them even more than they can comprehend. But they recognize a love that they can have for God. So what are the words that kids need to hear? I believe in you. You can count on me. I treasure you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. No. I love you. What, are they, what does the soccer ball remind you of? Remember? Go back to the very beginning. Do you remember? I believe in you. Soccer balls, this, you know, I believe in you. We're, get, we're in this together. We're going to get it. Let's go for it. The hand, you can count on me. What is this? Treasure you. I don't know. That I just get the warmest feeling when I say that. Do you, I mean, I treasure you. We don't say that often enough. We should say that to our spouses. We should say that to our children. We should say it to the children in our Sunday school class. I treasure you. Ah, that, I, to me, I, that's even more powerful than I love you. It's just I treasure you. You are the treasure of my life. I'm thinking... I want to go get some gold coins and hand out to all my children tomorrow and say to them, I treasure you. If you don't know that, I want you to take this home and remember. This is, a, this is just a little thing for you to remember. I treasure you. You're special. I want you in my life. When you're not here, I miss you, and there's a hole, and, and we, want, we want you here, and we treasure you. What's the bell remind us of? Sorry. You're going to be saying that tonight. You know you are. Uh, sorry. And the exclamation point? Is that? No. Absolutely. Sometimes we have to say no. We'd rather not. Uh, have you known teachers that never said no? And what's their classroom like? 
Yeah, it's chaos. It's, it's not going to be a harmonious place because somebody has to say no. But then we share the love of Christ and we say, I love you. And they have the opportunity to learn to say it too. Oh, and I got a bonus one for you. Something that we should say more often? Let's dance. All right. Well, I'm going to let y'all out a little early today, and we're going to let the presidents, the kid president, be our last words to remind us to let's just dance and let's pray and ask us to be ask God to help us to be faithful in saying these words. God, we just pray that as we think about, do you hear me now? Do they hear these things? through our actions and through our teaching? Do they hear these words, that they are treasured, that they're loved, that we believe in them? Do they feel that in everything that we do? do they, are we willing to say the word no, knowing that it creates an opportunity for them to learn that there are boundaries in life and that those boundaries are there for their protection? Give us the courage to be able to say no when it's the right thing to do and to, to use it to guide them to a better life. I thank you for these leaders that have come this weekend and given of themselves, and I thank you for the opportunities that they have had to learn, and I just pray that you'll take the seeds that have been planted and that they will just be um, wonderful reminders to them of things that many things they already knew but need to be reminded of. And we just pray that um, you will use everything that's happened here this weekend for your glory and we give you all the honor and all the praise. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.